Hi, friend. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. You might remember from episode one, I told you a little bit about me and who am I. Well, today, you're sort of going to find out a bit more uh, in part two, or part deux, if you're uh, feeling a bit fancy. And I'm titling today's episode, and it's episode five, for those of you that uh, have lost count, I know, um, my existential crisis, and hopefully you'll figure out why as we go through. But now, hunker down, get into that quiet, calm part of your mind, as I invite you in to the safe place. Are you comfortable? Let's begin. Now, as you know, my mind and I don't always get on. Sometimes it it kind of puts me into a really bad place and I get unbearably numb. This is why I call this podcast The Safe Place. As when I'm in this kind of numb headspace, I like to think of a happier part of me is held up in this strong wooden cabin by a lake with utter peace surrounding it. There's a little campsite outside with a fire and a lake that seemed endless yet utterly comforting in its, in its existence. It's a place that is warm but in that kind of cosy sense, rather than being heated by the sun. It has a big, long uh, log um, fire, uh, and the kind of happy or rational part of me is sat there with a cup of coffee and a good book, at peace with that moment. And this is my safe space, or my safe place. It's also where I go when everything gets a bit too much, or at least I try to anyway. You know, I'm, I'm not always successful in getting there, and at times I've had to, to kind of fight really through what I can only describe as a kind of metaphorical, thick, dense bramble bush uh, that I'm going to pull myself through with you know cuts and and grazes etc um catching me as as i as i kind of force my way through you see this this is kind of the battle um in my mind and it's not always but you know it's there and it's i guess it's a kind of a battle that keeps me away from my sanctuary I suppose. And thinking about this has reminded me of a story that some of you might know, or at least might be a familiar story to you. And it was one that I was taught in school by a philosophy teacher that I had. He was just one of those super enthusiastic teachers, really loved the subject. Um, 
and just really engaged in the thought process. He was just a really cool person. Uh, and that teacher was called Mr. Knight. He was one of my favourites, actually, and I loved the things that uh, we learnt in that class. And this story was one that has kind of stuck with me for nearly 20 years or so. I tell you what, let me tell it to you too, in the way that I remember it, at least. It was a sunny morning, much like every other morning when I woke up. The sun was just tipping, tipping through the opening. My eyes felt heavy as they often did when I woke, and the light made me squint. I raised myself up, like I did every other morning, and did my morning checks, my morning routine. I looked to the right, yes. Albus was there, and I looked to my left. Yeah, so was Harry. A moment later, I heard the same rattle of metal I had heard for as far back as I could remember. Albus had woken up too, rattling those metal things around his wrists and ankles. I checked mine too. Phew, they were there. Harry was always last to wake up. It was almost as if he didn't want to face the day. Eventually, though, there we were, the three of us. We were all sat up in our safety. To explain our surroundings would be helpful, I suppose. There were three of us, with these black things around our wrists and ankles with little links all the way to the ground leading to a fixing point on the other end of the links. We had decided to call these wonderful things our chains. They clinked together in a cheerful tone, something that was utterly familiar to us all. We were in a place we called a, a cave. It had a nice, flattish roof. Or even a flattish floor, I should say, with big rocks around us. And it was very safe and homely. There were two parts to the cave, one light and one dark, with a light thing in the light bit. And the dark, well... It was dark. It went on for a long way. Well, we think it does anyway. We haven't, uh, we haven't ever gone to the end. So, I guess it must, mustn't it? Huh. Sorry about this. I'm sure there were only two parts before. On one side of the cave... Um, in the kind of wall, a section had disappeared, vanished, I suppose. The three of us sat in 
in amazement out of this, well, this window, I suppose. We looked. It took a little while for our eyes to adjust. As they did, we were all um, a little confused as this bright light shone in. Through this window, there were things we had never seen before, that we had never even imagined before. There was this this thing on the ground, it was a, a funny colour. I think I'm going to call it green. It, it, it stuck up, as if it was pointing upwards. Then, as I followed it up, in the direction, the top of the window was this weird blue, this weird blue colour. It was very strange. As the day went on, more things started to appear in the window. Animals, people, vehicles, all sorts of strange and wonderful things. All of this really scared Harry. He, he looked away from the window, saying it was too bright to look at. Albus found it all very boring. He always had this kind of laissez-faire attitude to life and just shrugged and carried on. I, on the other hand, was transfixed. Time went by and the images through the window became clearer, almost more real every time I went to look. One awakening, I, I decided enough was enough. I needed to see more. I looked down at these black cuffs on my wrists and ankles and noticed something I'd never noticed before or at least never taken any notice of before. There was a tiny white spot on each of the cuffs. I pressed it. Just out of curiosity, I suppose. Something strange happened. The cuffs opened and fell to the ground. This was all very exciting. It was the strangest sensation, almost as if I'd become lighter somehow. I shook my hands. It felt funny, but I think I liked it. I did the same to my legs. I got up and walked around. It felt amazing. As I walked, I noticed something else. Part of the cave looked different to the rest. It was... Darker, I suppose, somehow. I shook my hands. Felt strange, different. Got up, and you know what? I went over. Touched this. This kind of dark section of the wall. And it had a different texture, too touched it again 
but a little harder. The strangest thing happened. A crack emerged. And the same light I had seen out of the window appeared. I pushed with all my might. And I fell through. I was aghast. I'd fallen onto that green spiky stuff. And I had seen that I had, um, that I had seen out of the window and it, it felt wonderful. It kind of tickled. I looked around and took it all in. There were people too. This was incredible. I went out into this new world and tasted food, spoke to and embraced people and even tried one of these things they call a, a, a car. I was having so much fun and learning so much I almost forgot about Harry and Albus. I rushed back to what I now knew to be a cave, which had been closed with a big wooden door. I burst through and regaled Harry and Albus with my stories, even showing them what I talked about through the window. I urged them to come. I thought they would. Harry surprisingly, pushed the buttons on his chains. He said to me, thank you for opening my eyes to relieve me of my chains. But this world you speak of, it's not real. I will stay here. He sat down with that and watched the window, rubbing his wrists and feet as if the chains were still there. I was aghast. I, I turned to Albus, but he, he just kind of looked up, as if to ponder me for a moment, and turned away without a word. I must find more evidence, I thought. I went out into the world beyond the cave, and picked flowers, clothes, and even an electrical device. I had now come to know as a camera to take photos. This was all undeniable proof that the cave was not the limit of our world. I went back, showing the items to my compadres. Harry looked and simply said, Thank you, my friend, for bringing me such items. All this does is to show me that there is much more to the cave than we have ever imagined. I must stay and consider what else we might find in our cave. I turned to Albus, astonished that Harry was still not convinced. Albus looked over the items, considering each one. He looked up to me and said, not know you were capable of making such things. I am proud of you. It was it was like being hit in the chest. I, I took a step back. Why don't you believe me? You 
you must come with me, otherwise you will wither and, and, and die here without experiencing the world outside. Albus simply bowed his head. Harry laughed. And I said, I will not come back again. You, you must know that this is your last chance. But even that didn't change their minds. As I walked away, out through the big wooden door, feeling the sunshine on my skin again, I was struck with sadness that they could not see more an excitement for what I would experience. As time went on, the memory of the cave faded until it was as if it had all been a dream. So there we go. That was my interpretation, I suppose, of this story that stuck with me, as I say, since I was, what, 16, I guess. And it, it's kind of shifted, I suppose, through time and as my, as my own perception has changed and my own thoughts about the world, I guess, has, has developed. And for me, actually what this is, is a story of perception of reality, for sure. So you can see Harry and, and Albus are somewhat further back in their understanding of what could be real, and even given evidence, actually. They choose to dispute it, choose to ignore it. And I think we see that, don't we, in real life, in our everyday world. And do you know what? That's okay. What this tells me is that sometimes you have to let go. Sometimes you have to move on. It doesn't mean that you don't look back and reflect. And yeah, it's good to do that from time to time. But I think the other thing that this story makes me think of, after having experienced a lot myself, is this kind of perception of mental illness. And I appreciate this might sound somewhat bizarre, but if you think about it, you've got from out from Alvis's and Harry's perspective, you've got somebody that is telling you this wild and, and kind of fun and enjoyable story, but it's a story. It's as if it's as if the readers just imagined it. And whichever angle you you take this from you know the lives of each character, character um, will seem peculiar to the other 
one breaking free of the chains, metaphorically bound to stay in the path that is in front of him. Another is willing only to change what the main character thinks of as a small thing, yet to Harry is a profound change, and one that he's excited about. And then you've got almost the the sorrow, really, in the tale from the storyteller as Albus and Harry are both stuck in their paths, not seeing the bigger picture. And of course there's Albus. And you can interpret this character in multiple ways, distressed by change and moving away, or extremely considered and and thought-provoking. And I think what I take from this is that each of these people are people that we will meet in everyday life. Each of these people is people that we probably got frustrated with ourselves because we were the storyteller in this scenario or we were the Albus or we were the Harry, whatever, whatever it might be. But actually sometimes just taking a moment to understand a different perspective can be extremely valuable. And, you know, the, the reality is that you will come across characters like this. And how you treat them. And, and treat their kind of acceptances of facts as you see them can have a profound effect on their behaviour positive and negative if you think about understanding where your colleague your friend, brother, sister your mum or dad or grand and granddad if you're fortunate enough to to have them understanding where they are on any journey I say that slightly mockingly but a journey is is core really isn't it to enabling them to take action and take the right action for them and then flipping that around as well accepting that and not being held back by it or indeed being pushed in a direction that might take you, you away from your own best action or or best direction because ultimately all all that we want is for everybody to have a happy and fulfilled life if you want to know more about this obviously you can get in touch with me as always on on uh, instagram and at I am Gavin Clark, so nice and easy to find me. And then on Facebook, The Dad Life. Uh, love uh, any any comments on iTunes or whichever uh, player you choose to listen on. But you can also go and, and check out the, I guess, kind of original story, um, which is Plato's Analogy of the Cave. And you can also thank Mr Knight for that one too. But for now, this has been episode five. It's been amazing to speak to you all, as always. And I send you away with love, compassion, and
and kindness to all. <laughs>